What a sweet opportunity for these moments where we stop and in humility say that we don't have it all together. That's what today is all about. I want to lean into a word today, and it's holy. Holy or holiness. I want to finish off our sermon series on new hope today. As the year has begun, many of us have had hopes and dreams for how that year would start. Some of us started diets. Some of us started fasting. Some of us stopped watching Netflix for a day. And it's at that point, I think, as the year of January has gone, as some have joked, um, that uh, we recognize just how much help we need. It's in the church that we recognize this, too. It's so many times uh, in the church that we don't leave room for those places of humility where we say, hey, I blew it. Raise your hand if you didn't. Get the diet perfect this year so far. (laughs) But some churches don't allow for that. There's this expectation that as you come into the church and you come through the doors and you come through and you meet other people that, well, if you're at church, that means you've got it all together. And actually, that expectation, I think, keeps us from experiencing God's holiness. I... um, um, Today's Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited about the Super Bowl? Nobody. Good. Uh, Andrew, Andrew is a, a diehard 49ers fan. Uh, I am a Patriots fan. And honestly, uh, I have been hoping that the Patriots would lose this year because they don't need another ring. They just don't need one. And I'll tell you, the way that they played this year will tell you that they don't need another ring. You know what they need? Humility. And that's what they got this year. If you saw Tom Brady marching around the field, swearing at his teammates, crying, complaining, I tell you what, they needed to lose. And I'm so glad they did. And as I watch the Super Bowl today, I will be lonely and mourning that they're not there and also celebrating that this year is a year of humility where they get to reevaluate things, reestablish themselves in the nuts and bolts of life, and hopefully come back better next year, maybe without Brady, if he's not willing to be humble. I've been discouraged, not just with my favorite sports team but also with the local church, as I have friendships with other pastors, there are some that are trying to or beginning to in their, in their struggle with this conflict between society and the scriptures. There's been like a um, decompartmentalization. That's not a word. But there's been this evaluation over evaluation over evaluation on religion and on faith And instead of leaning into humility, there's just this analyzation that leads to analyzation that actually empties the soul. 
Uh, some people say that when you go to seminary, for instance, seminary is that place, it's a graduate degree for pastors, that they lose their soul because what happens is they continue to overanalyze and overanalyze and take faith apart to the point where they lose their soul. This morning, my hope is by the end of my sermon, in humility, that you are able to experience what we experienced in worship today, which was humility. The recognition that God's holiness is so big, so huge, so powerful, that our only right response is humility. That our only right response to the Lord God, creator of the universe, is a heart of reverence and humility. It's not that we can't be thoughtful or read good books about faith, but new hope doesn't come from that. New hope comes from the humility that we have before God. There are a couple of scriptures that may scare you today, but I, I want to show them to you because they're real and they're in the scriptures and we need to be aware of them. The first is Leviticus 10, verse 1. So the first time that God reveals his holiness and he really establishes it with people, God makes a temple. And in that temple, he asks people to... Uh, be really appropriate with what they're, with what they're doing. And here, uh, they don't have a temple yet, but God is asking the people to practice what they would do in the temple, to be appropriate, and even how they burn incense. God has said, this is the way I want things done. I am holy. Trust me. This is the way things need to be done. And one of the first priests that God assigns is a guy named Aaron. And Aaron is gone now, and, and his sons are here, and his sons are trusted with this holy practice of coming before God and his holiness. And in Leviticus, this horrible, horrible thing happens. God trusts Aaron's sons with his holiness, and they blow it. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. And in this way, whatever way it was... They disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than what God had commanded. So it may seem silly, like why does God care about this way of burning things? So can we just take a step back and, and say that we didn't create the universe? Raise your hand if you created the universe. No? Okay. So God created the universe, and so we don't even understand how that happened, and you can have your theories about the Big Bang, and I think that's wonderful. Maybe God used the Big Bang, but what we don't really get is how this force, this God, from nothing created the universe. And so with that, he comes, reveals himself to people, sets them a process by which they get to experience his holiness, the very depth of who he is, and part of that, this very simple act, is to burn incense the right way. And Aaron's sons just lose their humility before God. They lost. They, they, they at once had captured this holiness of God, this greatness, this set-apartness of God. But in this moment, they lost it. And they burned the incense wrong. So God does this very violent thing, and it, it shocks me. But he, fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence, from nothing, and burned them up. And they died before the Lord. 
And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory through all the people. And Aaron was silent. Of course he was. His kids just died. They missed the mark of that humility before God and his holiness and experiencing his presence. Another time in Acts, so the New Testament, Jesus has already died, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven. The church begins. The Holy Spirit's been poured out on the people. The church is starting. They're sharing everything with one another. They're empowered with God's gifts. They're selling things now. People are selling their extra stuff, extra land, extra cars. They didn't have cars back then. But they're selling all their stuff in order to give it to the church so that everybody that's a part of the church will be taken care of. There would be no poor among them, the scripture says. And this reverence isn't captured by this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. So Ananias and Sapphira, they sell some land, and they go to Peter, who's head of the church at the time, and they said, Peter, we sold this land, and we only got this much for it, bud. I wish we got more, but this is how much we got. We want to give it to you. And they lied. So the thing is not the thing here. It's not the money. It's that they lied. They lost the, the capture of humility that was needed before God and his holiness. God is establishing his holiness before the church and saying, this is really serious to me. And Ananias and Sapphira brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming that it was the full amount. And together, he said, with his wife's consent, they kept the rest. And Peter has this word from God, and he said, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Why have you lied, not to them, but to the Holy Spirit? I want you to see something there. The Holy Spirit is two words, isn't it? Spirit and? God's holiness described in the scriptures is as powerful as what the, how the worlds were created, how the universe came into being. This is God's holiness. And to experience God's holiness without God's mercy means death. Without humility, when we experience God's holiness, we just die. Could you imagine? I mean, we can maybe get a picture of the sun. Have you seen the picture of the sun this week? Did you see all the plasma cubes that are as big as Texas? Google it this week. We have beautiful telescopes today that allow us to see an act, the actual surface of the sun. Plasma blocks as big as Texas. Moving and forming. Could you imagine? I love the sun. I love going to the beach. This is a wonderful thing. But could you imagine touching the sun. This is as close as we can imagine the holiness of God. The power. The capacity. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they don't get it. And they think that in the presence of that holiness, they could lie. It wasn't about the money. Peter says, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. 
you could have told us you got 100 grand for it, but you're only giving us 50. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, you were lying to God. Y'all, we're here in the church this morning because Jesus has died, and through his death, we can experience God's holiness. We accept Jesus, and by accepting Jesus, we experience and we accept that his death pays the price for our Ananias and Sapphira. Jesus' death pays the price for when we lose it and we don't recognize our holiness. Jesus stands in the way of what the Son would do to us and burn us up. We, in humility, recognize that we don't have it all together. That's the beginning of holiness. There have been moments this year and over the last couple of months that I've just sat and worshipped and been overwhelmed as God's just revealed his holiness. Part of that has been also recognizing my sinfulness. Have you ever just sat in humility? I, I, I found a new hero last week. I was with a friend, new friend, and uh, they said, you know, I'm one of those people that you would call poor. And I thought to myself, you are such a gift to me. How many of us would have the boldness to understand and the humility to understand that before God, we are absolutely poor? When we recognize who we are before God, then we begin to experience His holiness, that humility. This new year, the new hope that God wants to give us, give, the new hope that God wants to give us begins with this humility, I believe. I want to bring you to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. God's design is new identity. That new identity is humility and holiness. As Paul is writing to the Ephesians, I want to read to you in just a moment. He's uh, giving the Ephesians a gift. He's, he's asking them to see their lives based on God's plan. So God, the creator of the universe, set apart. He's got a plan in motion. He's inviting the Ephesian church, the church from Ephesus. He's saying, come alongside. I want you to see all that God's doing. And as you embrace the bigness of God, would you see yourself as part of it in a simple way? Ephesians 3 Chapter 3, he says, all praise to God. I love how he begins with adoration. All praise to God. He recognizes who God is. He's beginning that step of humility. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, why? Because we are united with Christ. You see, he's recognizing that peace that because Jesus has died for us, Paul is wrapped up in Jesus, and so he's receiving this blessing of God. He gets to experience the power of the Son, the power of the, the holiness of God without being killed. Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
He's setting this plan forth. God has always wanted you to experience his holiness. He is always, in his love, he's wanted you to be so filled up with the goodness of himself that you would be able to just live in the wonder of it. Could you imagine being there as the worlds were made and just watching? Sitting in awe going, what? This is amazing. Some of us get that picture when we look at the stars or when we go to the Grand Canyon. There's a, there's a picture of awe, but this is what Paul is saying. Look, have you ever wondered? This is what God has always wanted for you, to be holy, to recognize who he was, to live in it, to be without fault in God's eyes, to experience his holiness without dying. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. If you're here this morning, it gives God great pleasure just to tell you how much he loves you. God loves you so much. It gives him great pleasure just to sit with you and say, would you experience all that I am? I am the bigness of the universe, and all that is in my love that you would experience it. I want you to know me. I want you to know all that I'm about. God loves us, and he loves making us holy. It's what he always planned to do. Let's continue. Verse 11 He says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. I want you to see this word inheritance. And I want you to replace it just in your heart with the word destiny. Because of what God has done through Jesus Christ, we have received a new destiny. An inheritance from God, a new identity from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. This is so that we, who first hoped that the king might exist for the praise of his glory, we, all of us who really wanted God to be known and loved, all of us who wanted God's holiness to rule and reign in our lives, to rule and reign over all the earth, all of us who hoped for injustice to go away, all of us who hoped for sin to go away from our lives, all of us who hoped for life to be better. This was so that we who hoped for that might exist for the praise of his glory. In him, you too heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news, and believed it. In him, in Jesus, you were marked out with the spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. When we experience God's Holy Spirit, we begin to experience our destiny. Just a taste of his bigness until the time when the people who are God's special possession are finally reclaimed and freed. This is for the praise of his glory. God wants us to be holy He wants us to be able to step into a church or with one another or before him alone and recognize the humility of who we are. To be able to say before him, I am poor. 
I need help. What would it look like if our church became a safe place for everybody in the whole spectrum of poverty, not just material, would be able to say, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm poor. And in that humility, we march together and we receive God's mercy and his forgiveness. And we get to experience his holiness. That's God's plan. God's plan is to wrap up his own holiness in us so that the world would know him in his mercy. There's a story about this I want to share with you. There's a missionary named Doug Nichols. Doug uh, sold everything that he had, and he decided to go to India. Gave everything away. And uh, because of that, Doug looked like an American in India, but was completely poor. So he set everything apart. He was in India, and he was so poor that he got tuberculosis just like everybody else. And he ends up in sort of a ghetto of people with tuberculosis and in a hospital at some point in just a big room with people who are suffering with tuberculosis and one older man suffering even more. Well, Doug is thinking to himself, Woohoo! I'm a missionary for Jesus. I've sold everything. Now I get to be with those who need Jesus. Woo! And he's got these tracts. He doesn't speak the language very well, but he's got these tracts, these, these little booklets about Jesus and his goodness. And he wants to give them away to everybody in the TB ward. Woo! Doug's so excited, even though he's suffering with tuberculosis. And nobody cares. Can you imagine? You're suffering with tuberculosis, and this guy's like, do you want to love Jesus? you want to accept Jesus? Jesus? And they're like, I'm dying of TB, dude, in whatever Indian language was spoken in the TB word. So, Doug is suffering. He's not being very fruitful. He's crying out to God, God, why on earth am I here? I've sold everything I had. I could have been in America in the 60s. I mean, there's great stuff happening. Woohoo! Here I am in India, and I'm dying now of TB, and I'm in this TB ward, and nobody's listening to me about you. And through the night, there's coughing and coughing and coughing, and this older man is suffering so much He's not getting any sleep, and he has to go to the bathroom. And he's lost all of his strength, and he can't get up and go to the bathroom. And he just sits back on his bed, and he cries. And he weeps because he can't get there. So in the morning, the whole room is stenched with his urine and feces. Doug is experiencing it. He's regretting his life even more. The nurses are so angry at this old man for messing himself that they beat him. Doug is experiencing that. He's wondering what on earth he's doing there. They clean him up, and it continues. The next night, Doug is there. He sees the man coughing again, experiencing that coughing. The man sits up. Doug knows he has to go to the bathroom, and the man just lays down again. So Doug, in his own suffering, marches over to the old man. And together with whatever strength they had together, they go to the bathroom. And so the man is saved. The man kisses him on the cheek. And in his own language, Doug doesn't understand it. But he understands it as something sweet. And they bring him back to his bed. That day... Doug testified that many, 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 many people came up to him in language that he didn't know and asked for his pamphlets about Jesus. 
It was in the humility of the moment that Doug was able to be with them and God's holiness shined on him. And in the moment, because he was able to sit with this man, help him in this, the worst of ways, that the holiness of God was able to be shared with the whole TB ward. And Doug testifies that several people accepted Jesus. This is God's plan. Not that we go thinking that we know it all. Not that we go expecting that we have it all together and people need what we have. But we go into life in humility, recognizing that what God has given us is too big and we need his mercy. And hopefully as we receive his mercy, we receive his humility. And in humility, we receive his holiness. I like to teach people to pray in a certain way. As Paul began that verse, I remember, if you've never prayed before, you have a hard time praying, there's this acronym that I like to teach people. It's ACTS, A-C-T-S. And they're old English words, but forgive me for those. First is adoration, just telling God who he is. The second is confession, walking in humility and recognizing who we are. Thanksgiving, thanking God for everything that he's done. And then supplication, laying our request before God. So there's three steps before we ever say what we need before God. Recognizing in humility the holiness of God. The challenges today, especially in our Western world, as Doug maybe did, instead of adoration, we practice skepticism. We walk through life expecting that the world is against us and we can't trust anything. Instead of confession, we practice prideful justification. So many of us trying to defend and try to sit ourselves up against other people. I can imagine all the quarterbacks today trying to set themselves against Brady. Oh, I'm better than Brady. Even Brady's been playing for 22 years. I, I can beat him. Trying to get their stuff up, trying to get their confidence up. Some of us practice that. Instead of Thanksgiving, we practice criticism. Thinking that if we set other people lower than ourselves, then somehow that lifts us up. Instead of supplication, we practice worry. But none of those things, skepticism, pride, criticism, worry, none of those things lead to God's holiness. They lead to death. If we try to come before God with skepticism, overanalyzation, trying to pick things apart, we'll never get to experience him. God is asking us to come in humility so that we'll experience his holiness. You see, the identity that God wants for us is an identity of holiness. But in order to experience that holiness, our posture has to be humility. And we will continue to keep people away in our lives from experience His holiness if we don't practice humility. Our new gift from that humility is God's mercy. Just like God did with Doug, he had his mercy on Doug and mercy on this man. We get to share that with other people by testifying, hey, I don't have it all together, but God wants me to experience who he is. We share that with other people, and they get to experience his mercy. And if we do that, then the very glory of God gets to be shown through us. And my hope that as we continue to do that, our city changes. What would it look like, church, if we, instead of being the prideful, criticizing, worrying Christians that are out there, we humbled ourselves and walked around our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our kids, and we said, I don't have it all together, 
We come before God that way and say, God, I don't have it all together, but I want to experience who you are. Would you share your holiness with me? And in his grace, he absolutely does that. Would you stand with me this morning? The call this morning that I would love for you to walk with me in is first to recognize God's holiness. So would you just sit there right now, stand there right now as you're standing, and God, would you just reveal your holiness to us? The greatness of who you are, God. And as we recognize your holiness, Lord, would you just show us, would you, would you, would you give us a posture of humility? Help us, Lord. Our pride, our skepticism, our sin. This may be a prayer that some of you are, are needing to pray. God, I'm sorry for hiding my sin from you. I'm sorry for thinking I could just go along and you wouldn't care about what I was doing. And now in that posture of humility, we can ask for God's mercy. God, would you have mercy on me? Would you show your holiness to me even though I don't deserve it? Would you embrace me just as I am? I'm not hiding anything anymore. I'm not trying to take shortcuts. I am who I am, God. You know who I am. I'm not going to hide that. Would you have mercy on me? Now, this last step for God's glory to be revealed, I think that there are some of us here that are so afraid of God being shown through us because our neighbors, our family members, those closest to us, our workmates, they have seen us in our worst. And so for all of a sudden God to show his glory through us, they would just start calling us a hypocrite. And so if you would lay that down this morning, God, I lay down my fear of being seen as a hypocrite. And in exchange, would you show your glory through me? Would you make me humble? In view of your holiness, make me humble so I can receive your mercy and show your glory. There was a team that was praying for you this morning. Uh, there were a couple of risks they took in writing down some ways that God may be speaking to you this morning. Those are up on the screen. Um, someone that's deciding between two paths and somebody is suffering with gallbladder issue. If that's you this morning, we have prayer teams that are available for you in the front corner this morning to receive you for whatever need you have, emotional, physical, or spiritual. If that's you, please respond this morning. But I also want to make an invitation to those who have never received God's mercy before. And up on the screen for you is a way for us all to pray to receive Jesus. This may be a first step for some, or maybe it's a second step for some. Would you pray with me this morning, Lord Jesus Christ? I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Again, Lord, we just set everything before you. Ask for your mercy, God. We humble ourselves. See everything as we are, Lord. We are poor, God. 
You are holy. And would you pray with me? Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If this is the first time or it's the first time in a while that you've prayed this prayer, I invite you to see a prayer team this morning, and they're going to guide you to some next steps. I want to invite the worship team up for right now. There are some of you that need to go get your kids, but I would love for the worship team to play for a while and allow for you to go and get prayer ministry and leave in peace. Would you receive this blessing this morning? I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would go out in humility, in reverence of God's holiness, that you would receive God's mercy, and that in receiving God's mercy, you'd be able to go and show God's glory in your life. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.